Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the 90s hit series, The Flash. That's right, it is a mini-series going back to Earth 90 in the years of the original Flash, starring John Wesley Ship. I am your co-host, Bo, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, Bell. Hello. Bell, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. It's uh, <laughs> cobwebs, gotta shake them off, all that kind of stuff. I know, man. So we should go ahead. I want to, I wanna, you know, address, address the folks, let them know what, what they're getting themselves into, because this is the start of a brand new miniseries that we are doing, uh, exploring every single episode of the 90s, the original Flash series, uh, starring our, our man, John Wesley Shipp. And uh, man, I am super excited to get into this um, series for you. But for listeners who are not familiar with us, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, uh, we traditionally talk about the modern series or the 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 two thousand and teens series. What Earth One, Earth Prime? Yeah, the the CW yeah. show. The CW series, the Grant Gustin series, the Arrowverse series, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is traditionally our bread and butter. But if you are listening to this in the future, uh, you have now reached the point in the timeline where the pandemic has destroyed television. <laughs> and so we're taking this opportunity to do something that our listeners have asked since probably the beginning, if not even before the series uh, or rather this podcast, which is to explore the 90s television series. And uh, man, we put it out there as kind of a, a Patreon goal, especially to help us kind of get to the point where we can continue making content, even in this uh, bit of a dry spell that we're experiencing uh, with television. And man, you know, our amazing listeners delivered and we want to give back in a big way. So before we dive into this, I want to let y'all know we are giving away a box set of the original 90s series to one of our patrons. Uh, so here's what you got to do to enter. Support the show. Head over to patreon.com slash TV talk. That's patreon.com slash TV talk and sign up to support the show. And man, I, should we give just one or do you think maybe maybe we should give more than one? I mean, come on. We got to give more than one. I mean, like we should, right? Yeah. I mean, assuming we can find them, they're like extremely rare. Very rare, very rare. We will we will mine the multiverse. But you know what? You're right, man. Let's let's give them a let's let's give them two. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give one. Uh, probably should we give it next episode? Is that too soon? I mean, yeah. Why not? Why not? Like we announced it here, right? Everybody knows what's going on. It gives it gives people a chance to 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 cash in on it. You know, get that early access. Yeah, early access, and then. Over the course of the show, as more people may have like, oh, wow, there's this opportunity here. They can, you know, also have a chance at the end. We'll do we'll do one the second episode and then one at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the penultimate episode. That'd be good. That's yeah. that's like bookending right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, that, and we're all that about almost bookending. sounds like planned marketing and not just trying to figure it out on the fly. So I love it. Of man. course, <laughs> everything here is planned. Hashtag <laughs> professionalism. Come on, man. Hashtag professionalism. So that's right. Next episode next week, we will be giving away uh, a box set of the uh, original 90s Flash series. So if you would like to enter to win, uh, head over to patreon.com slash TV talk and support this show. Uh, we'll be giving away one now and one near the end of this uh, miniseries. So excited to do it. And Belle, before we jump into this, I, and I, I feel a little guilty doing this because every episode is somebody's new episode and I prefer to jump straight into the content that people signed up for. But I feel like for all of our listeners who've been with us before, we got to address the marriage in the room. Yes, Yes, I indeed got married. 
No, wait, that's the wrong music. What's No, that's not. What's the one with the Is that it? I think that sounded like O Canada. Yeah, it did sound a little like O Canada. Well, congratulations, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Man, I love this. Over the course of this podcast series, people can go back and listen to uh, the early days when you were you were single. You were out there on the streets in a grad costume, you know, trying to meet the ladies. And now here you are, uh, the old ball and chain, you know, married. And, <laughs> man, uh, you know, in the middle of a pandemic even. So I uh, just wanted to say, man, congratulations. I love you. And uh, yeah, she she is a very, very lucky lady. Yeah, I found my Iris West, my lightning there rod, you as you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is, did you find your Iris West or is she perhaps your Tina McGee? Ooh, Ooh. big questions, big questions. <laughs> Wait, man, let, with that, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's jump into The Rundown. The, the Rundown. <laughs> Episode one of season one, the only season, but you know what? Consistency. Directed by Robert Iscove and written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, forensic scientist Barry Allen is struck by lightning and doused in chemical products that afford him superhuman speed, which he learns to control with help from Tina McGee, a scientist from Star Labs. When Barry's brother, a policeman, Jay Allen, is murdered by his corrupt ex-partner, Nicholas Pike, the leader of a vicious motorcycle gang of criminals, Barry uses his newfound abilities to bring Pike and his men to justice and decides to continue protecting Central City as the Flash. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so first things first, man. I, it, when you went back, you watched this, this episode. Well, you know what? Actually, let's, let's, let's take it a little bit back from there. You know, we're going into this series. I have never seen this before. In fact, I probably should have even addressed that before the rundown. I have never seen this series before. And instantly I am gathering so many Easter eggs that have been planted throughout the, the CW series <laughs> that I'm just now catching up on. We'll, we'll get into all that. But before we do, what, what is your experience with this? Because um, as I understand it, I mean, you know, you, you've seen a few of these episodes, right? Yeah. So I I, I want to say I bought the uh, this this the the DVD collection that they had out right um I bought it I want to say like maybe around the start of our podcast yeah that sounds right and I watched uh, several of the episodes I think I got like halfway through the season and for some reason I uh I I, I didn't finish it and so I I think I think what it was is it was the first trickster episode I think that's what it was it was the first trickster oh, episode yes. and I yes. wanted to see Mark Hamill on the flash. And so I watched up to that episode, which might've been an earlier, earlier than halfway through the season. Um, but, uh, because he was, he was about to come on the, the CW flash show. And so I was like, I got, I got to see the, you know, the OG source material here. So I picked it up. I watched to there. Uh, and then I, I never finished the season and I've always wanted to go back and, and watch it. And so that's why I'm really glad we're doing this now is because I have an opportunity to do that. See it with those fresh eyes. I love it, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to to be mined from here and what i what i love about this is as i'm watching this i recognize that it is impossible to go back and watch one of these kind of retro series without realizing that we live in a post iron man world and what i mean by that is like our minds now work with every single comic book or geek property in a way that looks for connections right it looks for every single kind of off, off character that's mentioned off to the side. We wonder how that might play into the future or who this could potentially be. And, and for me, man, instantly I felt a connection between this 
and another film franchise that was existing only mere years ahead of this that I felt like could fit so perfectly in-universe. Did you know? I did. Did you not get the cinematic Tim Burton-esque feel like from like five seconds in? You know why that's, that is, right? Well, I'd, I would imagine because uh, ultimately they're connected through the multiverse, which uh, everybody had the foresight of knowing down the line with uh, the, the crisis coming in 2020. Well, sure. But, but also, uh, and probably the big thing here, uh, at least for me, was uh, what's the, the, the one, I guess, uh, common link between this Tim Burton series that you're talking about and <laughs> this uh, Flash series that we're watching right now. The theme music. Think about the theme music. Now, who's, man, who, yes. who's the composer for both Tim Burton's Batman and The Flash? Okay, so that's what I was curious. So is this, in fact, Danny Elfman who's been providing the music for The Flash, or is this just the pilot, or is this going to be the entire series? So Danny Elfman composed the uh, the theme. So the Flash theme, that's Danny Elfman. The uh, right. the composer for the music throughout throughout the series is Shirley Walker, and and I mean you can it's very clear the uh, the influence that Danny Elfman had on on uh, Shirley's composing uh, throughout the whole the whole series. It's it's very 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 Danny Elfman, and I love it. I love every second of it. It's wonderful. Danny Elfman really did kind of define a. I mean, like you know, you think uh, that even that terminology, right? Cinematic experience, and you know, I think we we often kind of connect that idea around special effects and kind of the way something's shot. But realistically, man, the music does communicate a sense of world. It's almost like, you know, the air that's being breathed on set uh, or rather in universe that kind of connects these two. And, you know, you got to kind of wonder, man, was there a mindset at the time, you know, that, that these two characters could meet up or was this just playing into the expectation of, you know, Batmania has been on the rise uh, we got Danny Elfman here. We want this to feel like it could fit right in universe, but but realistically, man, like in a mo- as a modern viewer, I am now expecting these two to team up. You know, what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like like it, it, it's a shock that there wasn't some kind of you know coda at the end or something like that, right? To show right. to show Batman or like Bruce Wayne opening up a newspaper saying like, "Who is this Flash guy?" <laughs> I mean, you almost expect it, and it, it kind of man, it breaks my heart a little bit because of I feel. And it's not just the music. I would I would argue that the the costume, uh, just the feel of Central City as a whole, like this feels as though it could fit into the kind of Tim Burton version of Gotham City. Like this this could work very very well. Now, you know we are going back and we are watching this series through the lens of people who are living in a post crisis world, right? Like we we now know what they did not know then, which is those characters do exist coexist just in alternate earths. So while the viewer of back in the day may have had kind of this headcanon where, you know, all of these characters were existing on the same earth, we now know that's not the case. We now know that there is an Earth 90 that we are now currently watching, that this series took place on an earth, and that that is separate from the Tim Burton earth, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but we saw as part of the crisis, and it was not Earth 90. You know what I mean? I think it was Earth 89, wasn't it? That might be right. So they're pretty close pretty close <laughs> just, just slightly <laughs> slightly different slightly, slightly different slightly different but anyway man i love the feel of it i mean it, it does have for the era um this this kind of big budget movie type of feel uh the the costume we got to talk about this i know it's kind of even jumping to the end because obviously we want to talk about this episode specifically but you know you think back 
to Grant Gustin's original costume. And it worked for the time. It, it was functional, but it didn't necessarily communicate superhero in the way that John Wesley Shipp's classic 90s Flash costume instantly communicates superhero, right? Yeah, it's... They they both have kind of similar, like, quote, real world origins, right? You know, Barry's in the CW show was like, I think, a suit built for firefighters um, to protect them from like heat and, you know, right. the, the whole heat friction atmosphere moving fast thing. Whereas this one was like a, a, a Russian diving suit. Um, but yeah. you had to explain that red color, right? Like, oh, it's the Soviets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But but you're absolutely right. Like the the, the first the first suit in the in the CW showing uh, Grant Gustin's suit, it you know you could see it. You, like you know if you squinted, it was like yeah, I guess that's the Flash. But this one instantly, you know, it's it's just out of like you know it's it's a like a skin tight you know spandexy kind of suit shows off all the musculature like just like in the comics. And it, it's from day one. It's like that is the Flash. And I thought that was really really cool. As much as John Wesley Ship hated that costume, <laughs> yes, right, right, right. <laughs> Which uh, we we talked to him about that uh, on uh, some one of our earlier uh, podcast um, episodes. Um, but yeah, it, it it it's it's a great costume, and I think it just just right off the bat, this is the Flash, and it just looks wonderful. You feel as though you're existing in a comic book world where this costume does feel like it came right off the pages. And what I love, man, is it had those serious moments and it had those kind of like over-the-top comic book universe-esque moments. For example, the Central City Armory. Now, this is a location that doesn't exist, but I feel like should exist in the CW series. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like just it's 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 rife for conflict and all sorts of things. You know, you have an armory right in the middle of the city that bad guys can go and rob and the flash right. can I go. Know. And- it's like... <laughs> Just, just played a giant target on it right there. Central City Armory right here. Get your guns. You know, like, <laughs> guns here, guns here. You there. Would you like some guns? We'll break on in. <laughs> like, what, we, we got this major biker gang problem that's just run off of chaos, pure chaos. And they wanted to shoot up the city. What should we do with all the guns? Put them in the armory. Should we tell them where that is? Yes. Put it big, big letters on the building <laughs> so they know exactly where to go. Don't, don't know. No. Hiding in plain sight. No one will look for guns in a, in a building labeled armory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they found it. How did they, they figured it out, man. That's some, that's some 2000 level IQ right there. <laughs> Four-dimensional chess these guys are playing. Right, right. <laughs> but no, man, I, the uh, the biker gang, like, again, we're, we're watching this through the lens of the 90s, right? Like, this was, uh, it, it, it makes sense that a late, you know, you, you get a lot of feel of the carryover of the 80s pouring into this 90s series. And I think that the uh, kind of over-the-top biker gang um, that is just out for anarchy and chaos with no real definition as to what their motivations are although i've got questions about that what did you think about our uh, our biker gang here uh you know it, it was very very classic like you said out of the 90s 80s like the whole like drugs and like the metal music and all that kind of stuff like the, these were the the uh, uh your stereotypical ingrates of society and whatnot right like these outsider types like they were very um product of their times i guess you could say <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, and, you know, the series as a whole is a product of its time. There's, there's a lot of kind of comments and commentary that I think, you know, does not age well, which I even hate saying does not age well because it implies that something was okay in, back in the day when it's clearly not okay back in the day. But regardless, it's just odd watching something through the lens of, you know, in modern uh, media, you probably wouldn't have this this type of narrative, this type of lingo, what, what have you. And so you do have to kind of put on those 90s goggles to watch this. And uh, And then, like I said, on top of that, you have to kind of see it through the lens of what a comic book you know, media experience, like comic book live action experience was in the nineties versus what it is now. You know what I mean? Like now we have, you know, purple faced Thanos going toe to toe with a gauntlet with shiny, uh, you know, shiny rainbow colored rocks. And somehow it's the most epic cinematic, you know, most like serious tear inducing, uh, thing on, on the big screen. Whereas the back of the day, they, they played it more of a, a, a comic-y, cartoony-esque type of way. Yes, with its serious moments. Uh, yes, with its serious characters and, and a lot of emotion behind it. But the tone was a lot different. And that definitely comes across, I think, in the, the villains here. There's a fear factor. There's certainly a danger that comes along with the biker gang. Um, but, you know, the, the giant scar on the face. This is where the tropes come from, my friend. This is not a true, like, they, this is the origins of tropes. This is the era of the origins of tropes rather than the tropes themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, they, they really set the stakes high at the very beginning when, you know, this gang rolls out, like, you know, the mom's yelling at the kids, get off the street. You know, you're not supposed, not supposed to be out at night. And, you know, you might be like, oh, well, that's just a whatever. That's just a mom being scared uh, and being a mom, right? And then the biker gang comes and starts throwing bombs and blowing up cars and this one family almost gets exploded in their car with their baby like, you know, at the very beginning you're like, "Okay, okay, the, uh, these guys these guys are for real. These guys are serious. Let's uh these dangerous. Yeah. These are dangerous dudes." Yeah. You know, this is this is not we're not just, you know, under under uh, underground in a cave listening to heavy metal and this is this is legit. They're they're doing some extreme destruction, chaos and uh, and murder, as we as we come to see as well. Um, man, we are introduced to uh, Barry Allen's brother, uh, Jay Allen, um, which I think was a, a great nod. I'm, I'm assuming that's a nod to Jay Garrick. Yeah, I, I, I would guess so. He's got the uh, the the elder statesman kind of uh, notion about him. Obviously, he's not Jay Garrick, but who knows? Maybe maybe in universe, he's just, <laughs> he's this this world's Jay Garrick. Well, it was funny. Like when they had that first scene where they introduced Jay, I was like, is this his like? Uncle Jay Garrick or like, <laughs> and it's like, oh no, right, it's his older yeah. brother. Okay. Never. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Nice nod. Okay. Good job guys. You know, <laughs> it's a, you know, the, overall, I think that they, they do a lot with the, the comic book origins, right? Like they, they play around with some different characters, but much like the CW series, they, they very much made it their own. And so I think introducing Jay, not only as Barry's brother, but killing him instantly, almost instantly in the, in the pilot episode, um, you know, really kind of communicates that while this will be a lot of what you know with the Flash, this is also going to take its own uh, direction with the character and with uh, you know with the mythology. And you know, this is uh, this is something that we see throughout a lot of comic books as they make their way onto the big screen or the small screen. And I think it works out well here. Um, you know, even just in the relationship di- dynamics, we get introduced to an Iris West who is a graphic designer as opposed to a reporter. Iris, not not just even a graphic designer, but like a graphic de- designer, I guess like '90s era, I guess just artist. Well, it's like it was like uh, computer art, like you know, it's a, it was a I guess like rudimentary field there. Like I, when she describes it, you know, I, what was it? Uh, Barry's mom's like, oh, so you know, what kind of work are you in? 
Uh, she's like, oh, I'm an artist. She's like, oh, do you do photography or painting? She's like, ah, computer painting. You know, so it's like, it's it's a thing that nowadays, yeah, you know, computer artists are everywhere and they do all sorts of, uh, you know, art and stuff. But like back then, it's like computer art. You can do art on computers. I thought computers were for typing and and you know stuff like that. So it's it's interesting, you know, to to look at these things from you know a very ordinary, yeah, computer artist. Okay, whatever was like weird and different and because <laughs> clearly the iris on this show is is supposed to be i i feel like she's supposed to be kind of like a like an alternative kind of person she's not like in the mainstream uh uh she's more like a counterculture kind of kind of person it seems yeah no you you definitely you definitely get that um is is punk the right terminology for the not really like a post-punk more like more like maybe maybe like new wave sort of like see this is the thing anytime you get a series or or movie or whatever you have that's like caught in between like two decades you get this weird kind of leaning towards like so for example this is constantly for example this is constantly uh you know referred to obviously as the 90s flash it aired in the 90s but it aired in the early 90s and it was shot in like the you know in, in 1990 <laughs> so in many respects this is much the 80s flash as it is the 90s flash with the you know the feel, the the tropes, the characterizations. I don't know, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it came out September twentieth, nineteen ninety, and it, so it had to have been filmed probably, you know, early nineteen ninety, late nineteen eighty nine. Almost all the influences coming from the decade of the past, which which kind of took me out of this because I immediately started watching this and I was like, why does this like this is the nineties flash? Why does this feel like the eighties flash? <laughs> Like, like those, what is what is up with that? Oh, those coats. I want one of those coats so bad. It was like, listen, we got to talk about the coats, man, because I love the way they actually use coats in this. For one thing, Barry, when he's in his kind of, you know, civilian, uh, you know, at least non-hero garb, he's constantly wearing his lab coat. And the lab coat almost feels like a cape, almost as if you see him as a hero before you actually see him put on the suit. Hold on. That's not a lab coat. Is that not a lab coat? The only time he wears the lab coats when he's in the lab. I'm talking about the over like those those are like, you know, 80s, the really light overcoat thing. Like yeah. that was that was like 80s, like hardcore 80s and, well, and you know There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was like 80 like late 80s early 90s kind of like this this fashion cuz everybody everybody wears loose stuff. Everybody wears like loose pants, billowing, oh, yeah. like all it's this really light fabric and everything. Yeah, like that's that's like, you know, late 80s, early 90s stuff. Wow. See, I just thought he was like rolling around in his uh, that, his lab coat. In, we're talking about the gray coat, right? The gray coat yeah. that he's... Yeah, no, no, that's, that, that's, that, is, that is like a 90s coat. That is like... <laughs> See, like that was some superhero garb, man. Like he's he's rolling around like he's got the cape. I loved I loved that, man. Visually, I thought that that communicated that well. But who knows? Maybe that was just... The, the, it, was the, ju- it was just a, cop- it, it was a costume choice because that's what everybody was wearing then. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, so we do see that him and Iris are, are having a little bit of, um, you know, a little little relationship trouble. He's trying to uh, progress things along. She kind of doesn't want that to happen. He wants to settle down. You you see even the way he engages with his brother's son, uh, with his nephew, and you almost kind of get the sense like he's kind of ready to grow up. He's got these two older men in his life, specifically his brother Jay and, of course, his father Henry, and you know, he almost kind of defines in the the early part of the episode, you see him almost kind of defining who he is based on how they see him, 
right? Like his brother's around. His brother thinks the world of him. He feels good with his brother. His dad's there. His dad has a very, you know, ah, cops, you know, like, you know, he's, he's like, ah, you're not a good enough cop. You know, like there's this, you can see the anxiety. You can see the frustration. You can see the emotional wall that exists there. And, you know, with the removal of his brother, with the death of his brother, uh, the, you know, emotional kind of toll that that brings between him and his dad and ultimately him coming into his own power, you see kind of him realizing, you know, oh, I don't need these other two dudes to kind of define who I am. I can be who I am. You kind of see that kind of uncle type relationship when you see him at the end, he's almost kind of taking more of a a paternal type relationship with, with the kid. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that's kind of how I saw it. Well, you know, yeah, the kid's dad died. Right. And so like, you know, Obviously, the kid missed his dad, and so he's telling the story about his dad and the relay and, like, you know, oh, you know, um, uh, Jay never lost. He just ran out of track kind of stuff, right? Right. And he and, said, I can't run like a dad, but I'll always be there for you. And I can <laughs> cry. Um, I was just crying back those tears. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's him, uh, you know, stepping up, right? Like, like he, he's he's going to be there for Central City. He's going to be there for his nephew. Exactly. Exactly. But, but, you know, so I don't know. I just, I kind of see his relationship with the, with the nephew kind of, I don't know, representing a lot of what's going on in his life in this way. Um, you know, almost as if, you know, he, before he kind of gets, before those other relationships are kind of removed and before he kind of comes into his own, he's just ready to become more like his brother. He wants to get married. He wants to have a kid. He wants to have, you know, a family. He wants to, to be this kind of person. And he ultimately finds who he is through the lightning and through the chemicals, which by the way, love how they incorporated both of those things. If not, you know, the chemicals more so than the, than the lightning itself defining his power, because that of course is the original origins for the flash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, wrote down all the chemicals that he listed off when Tina asked him what was on the shelves and I got a lightning generator and I'm going to do some experiments. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Didn't that almost kill him in flashpoint? Like there's no guarantee that always works. That is very true. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we don't have an episode next week. Uh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he goes into the hospital like for like two seconds and he's ready to be out. We see a lot of tension there. He doesn't, you know, uh, he, he just kind of wants to get back on onto the streets and deal with the gang because rah, cops, man. And, uh, you know, he, his, his interaction with Tina McGee. Now, let me ask you something, Bell, because, you know, you mentioned that you found your Irish West and I kind of mentioned early on, you know, well, maybe you found your Tina McGee. Who, who are you shipping here? That's a that's a tough one, man. Uh huh. Who are you shipping though? Who are you shipping at this at this stage in the game? At this at this stage in the game, I think I think I'm I'm shipping. I guess that would be uh, would it be Bina? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They didn't have Twitter back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bina or 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 uh, McGallan, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Tina Berry, uh, Terry, you, you shipping the Terry? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. at this point, I mean, it's it's like Iris has a lot to a lot of growing up to do. I think um, in 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 this in this season uh, or in this show, um, she seems a little bit. I don't know. Like she wants to break up with him first off. You know, <laughs> but that's, that's she's not as committed. That's true. She's not in, in, into it. She, I mean, like she didn't want to break. Well, she doesn't want to really break up with him. She just doesn't like that he's trying to move it beyond where it's at. 
Yeah, yeah. Like like she she has a fear of commitment that he does not have. Yeah. Um yeah. although, you know, like you said, when when he kind of comes into his own and the and he's defined by this event that turns him into the flash, he starts to realize that I can't settle down as a superhero. It just it's not gonna work. And so he's like, Yeah, you know, I agree, I agree. Let's not do any of this. And so I don't know if that's him just kind of like trying to hold on to a relationship with her because that's what she wants. And he realizes that that's the only way that it would work between them is if they had some distance between them because mm. she doesn't know. Iris doesn't know. Iris doesn't know what's going on with them. Only Tina does. And so that's why, you know, it feels like they're like Tina and Barry is, is, is a more, it's going to be more stable, right? For, for him. Whereas Iris, there's always going to be the questions of, Oh, why do you leave all the time? I never see you here and all this kind of stuff. Like there's all those things that are going to happen. Um, because that's what happens with shows and relationships and things like that. And so, right. No, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Um, hang on now. If it's Westlin, shouldn't it be McGallan? McGee Allen? McGallan? Cause if it's Westlin for the, for the Iris, you know, we were, we were all about the virus, but then the internet was like, nah, we're not feeling the virus. We want the, we want the Westlin. I mean, virus, so, virus is so much better. It is so much better. I'm not gonna. I'm look. I, I know it's better. You're, should we claim virus for this? Then is that is that what we're doing? Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, it's gonna be virus or or Terry. <laughs> All right. <it's> bi- <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. So virus to Terry. All right. So I'm I'm going I'm going full on Terry with you, man. And I I hate that because normally I'm like, look, you know, they're destined to be together because comic books. And, you know, so like, you know, Iris on on the CW's Flash and Barry, but part of that is like chemistry too, like the chemistry the characters have and everything else. And there is just something about, you know, when when Barry met Tina, the world stopped. It was almost as if time stopped. You saw one of the greatest loves of television of all time, possibly transpiring right in front of us. So, yeah, now I'm 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 Terry all the way. I'm Larry for Terry, Gary for Terry. I'm, <laughs> there's no... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, there's no baddie for Patty kind of equivalent here. <laughs> no, there, there really isn't. There isn't. But I'm, 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 I'm hashtag Terry, Team Terry, all the way. Absolutely. Yeah. T a r r y. By the way, T a r r y. There you go. Uh, by the way, uh, McGee Tech, far, far cooler looking than Cisco Tech. I'll go ahead and say that right now. I mean, it's 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 super retro. I mean, uh, to our oh eyes, yeah, like but. why has Cisco never gone full retro? That's my question. <laughs> That's not his style, though. Is uh, okay, all right, but maybe it should be. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, like big old CRT monitors everywhere, and and like weird patches that don't have wires attached to them. It's the neon lights, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. Like when he when he was in the scanner, like the oh, (laughs) (laughs) and like the hula hoops, the neon light hula hoops. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, and and the. Gosh, all the decor in that star I need to go back so and look awful. at Mercury Labs on the CW show, man. I'm wondering if any of that made its way into Mercury Labs. I, I wonder, man, because like the, the decor in there is just so awful. <laughs> it was great. It was wonderful. And I loved it. I loved every bit of it. By the way, Star Labs, I love how Star Labs here, uh, much like the Star Labs of Earth Prime, uh, heavily underutilized space, not nearly to the same size, but you know, she's like the only occupant of Star Labs. <laughs> Yeah, she's the only one that works there, I guess, which is convenient for what they have to do. <laughs> At some point, these like the multiverse is going to have to explain why Star Labs is o- always only ever occupied by one employee, like w- one scientist there the <laughs> entire time, and that's it. Well, you know, I guess Tina's husband died, and everybody else is kind of like, oh, I don't know about this place anymore. It's uh, it's kind of a death trap. <laughs> 
Yeah. So is her husband going to play in in the future? Because I started like speculating like crazy about who her husband might be. I mean, even before, well, before we found out that it was, was her husband that died, when they mentioned that somebody died in an accident, I thought maybe it was Cyborg. Like maybe that was a, a you know, a nod to uh, a potential Cyborg reveal later on in the future, or maybe they were setting you know, laying some uh, some groundwork, planting some seeds for something like that in the future. But then we, of course, discover it's her husband. And I don't know, I start thinking about Hank Henshaw. I, I couldn't quite come up with anybody in particular, but I don't know. What do you think? I, I was thinking that it was going to be the thinker because oh. she says specifically that it was like this enzyme that's supposed to increase your uh, like uh, your your brain and stuff like that make make you smarter make you uh, your brain work faster and things mm-hmm. like that so I, I thought it was like a, a nod to the thinker and that maybe the thinker would be coming in at some point she said that she found him dead and there didn't seem to be any ambiguity beyond that point unless you know later on it's revealed that like oh somebody escaped from the morgue or some like weird you know hints or something like that but I, my, my first thought when she said enzyme that makes your brain work better i was like oh he's gonna be the thinker and i think that'd be that'd be pretty cool that'd be awesome that's a that's a interesting yeah, yeah yeah this is and this is part of the fun right this series has been out for you know obviously two decades <laughs> three, three decades one two three 1990 so 1990s it's just been out for three decades man and yet yeah, here we yeah. are speculating since we haven't actually seen it yet this is <laughs> And it's legit speculation, which is kind of fun. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that's a great, I think that's a, a great speculation there. Um, look forward to seeing it. You know, one of the things is when going back and watching this series through the lens of, you know, folks who have watched the the CW series, you start to see, you know, references made in the original, uh, or not, this is the original series, but in the, in the CW prime and the earth prime uh, series, for example, uh, Julio, man, Julio was was on the Flash, the CW Flash. Was he? Yeah, he was on the. He was on. Um, gosh, I, I think he was on twice. He was on because at one point, oh man, I'm gonna misremember this. I, if I'm remembering correctly, like he was the like police captain or police chief in the either pre Flashpoint or post Flashpoint. It's all pre Crisis, but I think it was either pre Crisis, pre Flashpoint, or pre Crisis, post Flashpoint. He was the uh, the the captain instead of Joe, or instead of um, Singh. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, we saw him again because he and I think he died. I think they killed him. And if I'm remembering correctly, he was him. Like he was Julio. It was the exact same actor and the exact same character, albeit obviously a completely different Earth. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in two, let's see. Um, Untouchable was the uh, episode where, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Flashpoint. He was a uh, he was the captain instead of Singh, and then post Flashpoint pre Crisis Earth One, he was killed uh, by one of the uh, you know and, and at that point he was just a dude I think he was a uh, lounge singer uh, is looking like what it's what it's saying here so yeah uh, so yo no he and he was same actor same character albeit from a different Earth and now that we're living in a post Crisis world they could technically bring him back we we don't actually know that he's dead at this point oh yeah that's true. So fan- fantastic. Loved, uh, loved that. Also, even just seeing Tina McGee and just instantly like, oh, yeah, and it's, and it's her. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> loved it, man. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying understanding references that I never understood before. It's almost like watching Casablanca for the first time and realizing that you understand all movies. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, man, any, anything else, uh, anything kind of stand out for you, things that you've kind of picked up on that they either paid homage to in the CW uh, series thus far? I'm trying to, yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot. I mean, obviously, Tina McGee being in the show, clearly. Well, yeah. <laughs> John Wesley's ship, clearly. I'm trying to think of some other direct nods that we had. I know there's going to be more for sure. I mean, this episode had had a bunch, you know, between characters that, that reoccur and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. But I know there's more in the series later on that's yeah. coming up. So well, so that's the great thing, man. We'll be looking out for those on every single episode. I uh, want to talk really uh, briefly here about about our villain that we uh, dealt with this episode, uh, Scarface. <laughs> Scarface. Well, I mean, he had, he's like, you want to know how I got these scars? Like, yeah, like. What's that? A book I wrote for the police when I was a policeman. <laughs> I was a police publishing house office, and now I got these scars by this guy. My my father was a police motorcycle driver and a fiend. <laughs> oh. One day he saw me speeding, and he was not happy. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. No, he's he's out here. He's he's um. You know, over the top, like I said, over the top, right? Like, I, I think that this is probably a good indication for what we're going to see. I, I could be wrong throughout this series, which is that the more the drama, the more kind of serious elements are probably going to come from our hero and the more comic over the top elements are going to come from our villains. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not scary. I mean, there is a terrifying nature to this villain. I remember my my kids were kind of coming into the room while he was being all, you know, tonight we dine in hell. And I was like, I look away, kids. Don't look at Scarface. It's fine. It's fine. Biker gangs, <laughs> biker gangs don't exist anymore. The Flash got them all. It's fine. But yeah, so that was, uh, he, he was a bit over the top. I will say uh, his gal Friday, man, she ended up being quite the uh, quite the, the threat I did not expect when she straight up stabbed Barry in the leg. Yeah. And and like she tricked all those officers uh, and blew them all up in the car with her, you know, doing the whole damsel in distress routine on the bridge. Yeah, she was definitely a a femme fatale type, which was uh, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I um that was that was interesting. I mean, we we got a chance to see kind of the uh, the dynamics, the social dynamics of our uh, of our evil biker gang. Um, broke into the prison, gave everybody the guns, uh, released them on the city. Scarface also uh, uh, channeling future uh, future Bane. He had a lot going on for him, actually. He just he watched. This is what he did. He went to the future. He watched all of the uh, Christopher Nolan films, and he kind of came back. And he's like, guys, the Christopher Nolan films are way better than the Tim Burton films. I'm going to be a Christopher Nolan villain, but with like '90s flair. Uh, <laughs> and they said you can only do it if you're leading a biker gang. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. Let me go around telling people I got these scars and release the prisoners and give them guns and stuff. And, you know, nobody cared who I was until I got the scars. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That was uh, I I think it was a solid pilot, man, especially for the era. I mean, look, it was almost like you were watching. I mean, you're almost watching Tim Tim Burton's Batman. And, and I mean that not in like a copycat kind of way, but in a like perfectly fitting into, I think, where the desire was for fans of that day and age. And also just really kind of writing, uh, you know, laying out a, a pretty, pretty substantial check that I, I hope will get cashed throughout the course of these. Uh, what is it? 22 episodes? Yeah, 22 episodes. And and, it, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, Burton's Batman, because this yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of influences there, you know, thematically and things like that, and and also the pilot episode was an hour and a half long, like that's feature length. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I and, mean they and, they were shooting for the fences. Yeah, like I had completely forgotten about that. I was like, is this is this pilot going to end in a cliffhanger? I mean, like we're coming up on you know 
30 something minutes and (laughs) he's not even in the suit yet like what's going on and then i remembered that the pilot was an hour and a half long and i was like oh okay but it it works right it it, it, the structure of it really works like you know you got a three-act story and this hour and a half long uh pilot episode and it it really gets you invested and makes you want to watch more so i you know i I think it was a i think it was a wise decision to go with an hour and a half pilot uh it's sort of you know, I'm assuming they shot it that way because in the event that they didn't get the series run, they would have a really cool origin story, mm. like somewhat movie thing for the Flash that they could maybe pitch to another network. Who knows? But it, it was it was cool. Like, you know, you don't see that a lot. Uh, wow. Yeah. Usually like you're seeing like backdoor pilots in other shows. Like, for example, the Flash, the CW Flash was a backdoor. Like there's a backdoor pilot with Barry Allen was introduced and things like that. And so to have this like hour and a half long, really good focused and you know tight story did it really well i mean i i think it served i think it served its purpose and and you know clearly they got a season run from it and um yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it yeah man i'm excited for this series excited to be diving into it with you uh, especially over these next couple of weeks um you know just taking you know cr- cranking the clock back by uh by three decades man 30 years and and exploring the uh, the groundwork that was laid for the the series that we know and love today, so um, that we now know is in universe or at least in multiverse, which makes it even better. In fact, after this is all said and done, man, I kind of want to go back and watch the. I guess it was two or three episodes, both in the Crisis and I want to say, uh, what was it? Elseworlds, where he first showed up, right? Like briefly, he showed up on Elseworlds. I believe so yeah it was it was it was when barry was running right like in the tunnel we see the costume well it's not even that like uh, that that is true he does see that actually that was in the uh season one finale but no i'm thinking about in elseworlds where he pops up to let him know like hey we we got a problem and he's got like dead heroes from you know earth whatever earth he was on and you know you get the sense they kind of pulled all these heroes from across the multiverse to combat the you know the anti-monitor and you know he gathers everybody up Although actually you came in before that. I don't know. Anyway, point is I want to go back and rewatch those. All the more reason why I want to go back and rewatch those episodes so we can really see this character. We've seen his origins here and we'll get a chance to see his conclusion. Look, there's so much more we could talk about and we'll talk about over the course of the next episodes, including the uh, special effects, the methods they went to uh, to kind of communicate the, the running uh, effect and that sort of thing. And I know we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So we hope that you'll enjoy uh, this series with us. If you want to get the box set, if you want to be eligible to uh, to win Uh, one of the box sets that we are giving away of the 90s Flash series, head over to patreon.com slash TV talk. And there, uh, by supporting the show, we'll be drawing a uh, a name from random next week. So uh, get get in quick. And, uh, and, and who knows, you might, you might be the winner next week. Also, we'll be giving away another one as we get further along in the mini series. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'd love to have you with us as we go along the way. Uh, share us your thoughts. Are you somebody who watched these series back in the day, or are you somebody who has kind of picked it up later on? Is the CW flash your first flash and going back and rewatching this is actually kind of the second flash series for you. We want to hear about that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at flash TV talk. You can also let us know individually at the real Bo York or at ring that bell. But if 240 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P O D A S T E R Y.com. And you know what? We don't have a lot of news uh, or, or daily things to discuss, <laughs> for, but that for this particular show that's been out for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're going to try to break you the news I, with, with this, uh, well, specifically with the CW show, show and, and where things are going. You know, one of the things I notice is people, and I'm not going to name names, but folks will say like, oh, they're shooting again. Oh, this is going to be the release date. And I'm like, y'all, no, it's not. <laughs> and then it's, of course, it's like, oh, well, they thought it was going to be the release date and now it's not. And I'm like, yeah, guys, come on. You got to, you got to, 
<laughs> any, 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 as soon as we know anything official, solid, and like there's film in the can, we will let y'all know. Uh, so keep up with us. Facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. We also want to give special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides our outro music. Uh, you can find out about more uh, from this show and other shows at tvtalk.fm. Hey, we've got some great uh, video game content as well with Flashcraft, putting out some YouTube videos and the like. Uh, you can find out more information about that as well at tvtalk.fm. So check us out there. All right, man, I think that's going to do it for us. Any final thoughts, Bell? Man, I'm super excited to go through this show again. Like, it's a lot of fun. I, I had so much fun watching the, uh, the, the pilot again. And I, I get to finish the series now, so that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be a blast. Don't worry. We'll be back in a flash. Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show. Wait, 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 wait. What network was this on? <laughs>
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.